0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Gary Hey, and you're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go ahead and give us a call at 499-9526 on chilly, chilly morning. <laughs> oh, it's a great morning. It is. Oh, I love this kind of weather. I say chilly. I guess, what is it? 46? 46, 46, 47. There are people. Maybe. People right now who are listening to us in New York and... Not even that far north. Not even that far north. Try Tulsa. Yeah, they who, were four last night. Yeah, who are just laughing their behinds off. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to these putzes. Uh-huh. <laughs> 47 degrees. Go, right? Yeah. 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 We're out here in
1: shorts and short-sleeved shirts, and they're down there freezing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, give us a call. that will try to put you up right on the top of the list and spend some time with you, get your questions answered. You
1: put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning.
0: That's right, and I know we have a lot of people who do listen from all over the country. Oh, yeah, and we
1: get calls from everywhere. Yeah,
0: really all over the world. Kind of hard from a lot of people in countries where the time zones are so different. Right. Uh, they don't want to get up in the middle of the night and listen live. <laughs> <laughs> and I can understand that. But sure. I emailed a real nice fellow that wrote other Day from Finland.
1: I see that. That is great. Said he loves our website. It's a huge resource for his information. That kind of information is generic. It is. Between automobiles. It's not a specific automobile that information comes
0: from. We try to keep everything on the site as generic as possible In other words, I try to talk more about not, okay, this is how you fix a 2009 model Chevrolet pickup truck. Instead, I say this is how you do a voltage drop test. Uh This is how you check fuel pressure. This is how you check compression and what it means. And
1: these things can be applied to
0: just about any vehicle. Correct. That's sort of the entire focus of the site. We don't try to zero in on a specific car, although occasionally there are certain cars that have so much of a certain problem that we do write a specific article on that.
1: Right. We call those pattern failures.
0: That's right. Something like the Ford Explorers with the body mount failure, where you get to creak and squeak uh-huh. and the body mounts fall apart. Well, there's an article on that. Or possibly the Fords with the intake manifolds that used to crack. Right. They've got that situation actually settled now. They've yeah. changed the design of it. But. Well, you
1: pick picking on Ford this morning, huh? Well,
0: that's just two to come to mind. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. What else? <laughs> who, who else has that many powder failures? <laughs> Jim? Yeah, Pricer. buddy. Uh, yeah, man, I tell you. <laughs> But those kind of articles are in there right. as well, so that's mostly if you want information, that's good and generic, and you can apply it across the board. That's and what you're going to find.
1: That's right, and that information is not going to cost you a dime.
0: That's right, and it's unbiased because we don't accept advertisers on the sites. We don't really have anybody. We don't have any access to grind, and we don't have anybody to answer to.
1: Right, and there's no pop-ups getting in your way and just
0: garbage that you don't want to see anyway. I go to a lot of sites just kind of comparing theirs and a lot of them are sponsored maybe by this or that chemical company and they'll be like additives you know, use this additive additive. right keeps popping up over and over again and of course that that particular product is the answer to any problem you might have
1: or the one that pops up in the middle of your screen and you can't read the article you went in there for
0: Eh. yeah i don't like those at all (laughs) i'd generally go hit the back button right right about there so that's it let's go ahead and take our first phone call of the day so we got kevin on the line good morning kevin Good morning, Lewis. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning.
2: I have a 2002 Jeep Liberty that you've worked on in the past. Okay. And, but the question today is, every 3,000 miles or so, I change the oil. Okay. And I put five quarts in, and I get about three quarts out. Okay. I'm trying to figure out why the engine is eating up so much oil or if that's a problem? Or well, it's really not a
0: problem, Kevin. It's more likely consuming some oil, and most engines do use a certain amount of oil to a certain degree. If you're talking two quarts and 3,000 miles, that's really not enough to be alarmed about. I know a lot of the newer vehicles, particularly the GM vehicles, are having a tremendous problem with oil consumption, and if you're burning a quart in a 1,000, they'll tell you it's normal. So I don't agree that it's normal, but the fix is worse than the problem. The fix is going to be to go in and re-ring the engine. But burning two quarts in 3,000 miles, that means basically you may have to add a quart between changes. Most of the time, you probably won't even have to do that if you change every 3,000. I mean, do you really want to go in and rework the engine for that? No, I don't. I just well, wanted I...
2: to really make sure it wasn't an issue that we had to address. No,
0: you don't. I mean, you can check and see. There's basically about three or four places that the oil will go. Obviously, the first one is leaking to the outside. If that was the case, you were losing two quarts every 3,000 miles, you'd have a puddle as big as your house in your driveway. And you didn't mention that, so that's likely. It's most likely not leaking any oil. Number two, and most likely, is going past the piston rings. And rings can stick in an engine for a number of reasons. They can wear, they can just not seal. And the oil, every time the piston goes up and down, leaves a film on the cylinder wall. And over the thousands and thousands of times they go up and down, it amounts to a fair amount of oil. Now, the third thing they could be doing, it could be going down the valve guide seals. There's a seal at the top of the valve guides, and particularly on the intake valve, because when the intake valve is opened, there's vacuum on that port. And the seal does not seal. The oil in the valve cover will suck right down that port. And that will amount for a considerable amount of oil consumption as well. One last thing you might just check. It's not very likely, but it is possible. Check and make sure the PCV system is not maybe sucking some oil. I've seen this where people will change their PCV valve and they'll go get an aftermarket valve and it doesn't have the proper baffles in it and it'll start sucking oil right through the PCV valve. and It'll burn a lot of oil. The easiest way to check that, Kevin, is just take the hose off the PCV valve and look inside. And if it's got fresh wet oil in that hose, then change the PCV valve and go to Jeep and buy one. Okay. That's one thing. Now, if you want to isolate it even further what you can do you know what a compression test is yes okay well you got a basic compression test which is a dry test that's where you take all the plugs out block the throttle body open crank the engine three times measure the pressure in each cylinder all right you do that first let's say you got 150 pounds in all the cylinders the next thing you do is take a little bit of lightweight oil like some 30 weight oil squirt it down the cylinder just a little bit in each cylinder and run the test again that's called a wet test and what that does that all will temporarily seal that ring now, let's say your pressure jumps up to 190 pounds when you do that. Okay, you know your rings are the problem. Now, if the reading does not change on the wet test, you can assume the rings are okay. More likely, it's going to be the valve guide seals. Okay. All righty. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks, man. bye All right, 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we would certainly love to have you. And we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb.
3: Good morning, Mr. Lewis. talked to you before. I got a Dodge, six, just bit fix and roll over 60,000 on a Dodge mm-hmm. pickup, four wheel drive okay, sir. and you put it in the gear. It's a little hesitant and you told me to just let it wait. And because of the O-rings, it's got to warm up in there. A couple of O-rings you said, and I, and you said something about adding a quarter fluid. Well, I did that mm-hmm. and that helped, but the other day I drove it from Livingston to Denham mm-hmm. and I stopped at the grocery store and let my wife out and I saw her coming back. So I could just pull straight ahead. So I cranked it back up and mm-hmm. put it in the drive and you could hear it roaring you know the fan so i thought maybe i wasn't looking at tack i was looking where i was going and mm-hmm. i said well maybe it just cooling itself back down but okay i almost run over herb <laughs> and all of a sudden it jerked and almost and you could hear the tires jerk a little bit at, yeah uh, like something caught you know
0: mm-hmm.
3: wondering, it could have dangerous? something
0: going on in the transmission herb they have certainly had a lot of trouble with those transmissions i mean that's a Pretty problematic unit for Chrysler, even at 60,000 miles. We've seen problems with them. A lot of second gear problems, second gear band tends to wear out, and you get a lot of issues with that. But it wouldn't be that difficult to check it if it does it on a fairly consistent basis. We just need to put a pressure gauge on it, measure the input pressures. If I've got adequate pressure and it's not engaging, then we know the problems in the unit. Now, the next step to that test is we go in remove the valve body and we can air test each passageway and that's just you take and you put air pressure on little passages which is going to put pressure up inside the drums make the drum apply if you can hear the air and out you know the seals are leaking so that's the way you actually test it now it is also possible there's some little balls inside that valve body and a lot of times they're made out of a rubber or urethane material those little balls can actually wear out and cause that problem as well and we would find that when you drop the valve body. So it just depends on how far you want to go with it. If you want to try to head off a major failure, what you may want to do is bring it in. Let me go ahead and do a pressure test, drop the pan, maybe drop the valve body. You're probably going to eat up about four hours worth of labor doing that. And that's the only thing that you'll be able to do short of rebuilding the transmission that may fix the problem for you.
3: That was the first time i ever... I can remember it doing that mm-hmm. particular thing. It usually cuts up when it first cranks. it. Yes, you know, sir, delayed delayed engagement. Yeah, you've you got to give it a second, and mm-hmm. you'll be all right. Yeah, and that's
0: what I would said, just kind of give it a second. But, you know, it may be digressing and getting worse yeah. as time goes on. Now, almost any transmission problem, Herb, is going to be much worse when the weather gets cold. Outside temperatures dropping are definitely because, number one, the engine generally idles up a little higher because of the cold weather. Number two, the fluid thickens up because viscosity increases in the cold. So almost any transmission problem will be worse in the cold.
3: I just drove it to Livingston and back, so it Mm -hmm. ought to have been fully warmed up.
0: Yeah, it could be just getting worse, and it could be something starting to break down. It just hadn't failed yet. So if you want to try to head off a failure, again, that's going to be your next step.
3: Okay, I'm the old boy that had the airbag problems, so that's who you talk to. So, okay. Uh, yes, sir. You know, if I bring it in there, I'm going to want you to fix it. So. Yes, sir. Well,
0: again, what I would do, Herb, is we would run a pressure test first, drop the pan. Now, if I drop the pan and there's a handful of metal and a snap ring, well, we've got right. our answer already. Right. And either put the pan back up or I can rebuild it at that point, but it's better than getting left on the road somewhere.
3: Right. Yeah, I, I take my vacations and that thing. So. Yeah, exactly.
0: And if drop the pan is pretty clean, then we do a... Pressure test on the ports. It's not leaking internally. Maybe we find some bad check balls in the valve body, and you're home free. It's good yeah. to go for another 100,000 miles. Now, one last thing that does occur to me, if that's a 45 RFE or a 545 RFE, if it's ever been serviced before, particularly if it was serviced at the dealer, that little auxiliary filter that goes in return line, they had some of those that were actually defective, and what they would do is they would allow the torque converter to drain down overnight, in fluid would run back from the torque converter to the pan. What that would do is result in a delayed engagement when you first put it in gear, which kind of sounds like it could be your first problem, but I don't think it's the second problem. But, again, it could be two different issues. We just gonna have to check it to see.
3: Okay. Well, you might be seeing me for too long. Okay, Herb. Okay. Thank, thank you, man. Then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: All right, 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. Cold weather,
1: like you said, bringing on that transmission problem, just making it worse, mm-hmm. has a great effect on the whole vehicle, it not does. just the transmission. It does.
0: It affects everything. Of course, the— I guess the first thing that always comes to folks' mind is when it's cold, my car is going to freeze. I need a antifreeze check and all uh-huh. that. And certainly, that's an issue. You know, sure. E- engine block can freeze and crack. But coal also generally will reveal a weak battery. If the battery is somewhat weak, it's going to show up when it's cold.
1: Right. First day, you can going to go out and it's going to be dead. Or worse yet, you go somewhere and then you get out and yeah. it leaves you.
0: The coal didn't actually kill it, but it sure revealed it because it slowed down that chemical reaction. It was already marginal. And when it slowed down, that's when you know.
1: Right. The summer heat actually started weakening it. And like you said, the, the cold weather reveals it. And right.
0: Then, too, a coal engine is harder to crank over. Sure it is. All is thicker and it's just harder to turn over. So that's when you need the battery the most. And certainly transmissions are the other thing. Sure, we generally see a great, great, great expansion in transmission problems whenever when it first cold. cold weather strikes. Yes, hey, we'll take a call. We got Lee online. Good morning, Lee.
3: Yes, sir. I got a '98 Chevy pickup. Okay. And it's leaking from the area around the water pump. Okay. Does that mean the water pump is bad or just some kind of seal behind it?
1: It depends on where it's leaking. If it's leaking where the water pump actually bolts to the block, there's a seal right there, there that there's a gasket Two actually. Of them. One on each side could leak there. But you need to check it a lot closer because there's a wheat pole in front of the bearing and the seal right behind the pulley. And I think if you get on the driver's side, you can look in there and see it with a flashlight. If you have coolant leaking out of that, the seal has gone bad in the pump.
0: Right. If it's a 98 model. It's actually got a gasket on the back side of the water pump where they machine the pump. They had to put the thing in the back, and there's actually a plate on the back with a gasket that does occasionally leak, not very often.
3: Okay. Is it dangerous to drive with that leak?
0: Any coolant leak is dangerous, yes. Right. Because, number one, you're losing coolant. And if you put water back in, diluting your corrosion protection. Number two, you're drawing air into the system. So if you keep on doing that, you'll end up a vehicle that's not repairable. All right, it'll start eating water it'll pumps. Eat it'll start eating every part of your um, vehicle away. So, radiators. Yep. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you. Thank All you, right. And, you know, there are no unimportant coolant leaks. Anytime an engine is losing coolant, it's going to be a problem. It's going to draw air into the system, which is going to really speed up the corrosion. And the absolute worst possible thing you can do is add water to the system because water is going to dilute the corrosion protection and just make the problem much, much worse. Best to just go ahead and get it fixed. It's going to save you a lot of money down the road. We're going to take one quick little break. Kenny, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break.
4: Plan to west.
5: Hey! Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true, like free beer tomorrow, or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true, the low price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs, like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks and more. Well, Agco says be smart, when you get the list, bring your vehicle to AGCO and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot AGCO, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night. Yeah, too good to be true. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, welcome back. Just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, to Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go give us a call at 499-9526. And we've got Kenny's been patiently holding. Good morning, Kenny. Good
2: morning, Lewis. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. I appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. I've got a 2002 Avalanche. Okay. And I'm noticing it's got about 160,000 miles on it, a very mm-hmm. well-maintained vehicle. I have noticed recently that... When it's shifting between second and third gear on a, I guess would say, a relatively easy acceleration, when it goes between second and third, I hear a mechanical click. I don't know if it's some type of solenoid or something. Every time I go from second to third, now under, I say, more of a load, you don't hear the noise.
0: Okay. You don't hear it going, like, from drive to reverse or any of that?
2: Lewis, I haven't noticed that. It mm-hmm. may be doing that, but I could try and see. But yeah, uh,
0: check that. Kenny, there are a few things inside a transmission that could do that. Some gears have what they call a sprag, which is like a little one-way clutch. I'm not certain they have that on the second gear. I'd have to check with Josh at the shop. But they've also got pistons that have to move to squeeze the clutches together that, when they shift gears. And any of those kinds of things, if it binds and sticks and moves or if the sprague slips a little bit, can make that kind of a noise. And there is one for each gear. And if that were to slip, it could make that kind of a noise. Mm -hmm. A solenoid, I don't think you could hear it because it would be all the way under the vehicle inside the pan. It just, it's not going to make enough noise for you to hear. Okay. Even if it stuck and jammed and i mean it's just not a large enough part i don't think where you could hear it from inside the vehicle Mm -hmm. another thing that would come to my mind would be something like a u-joint with some slack in it or something but you should hear it going from drive to reverse if that's the you know just with your foot on the brake just shift it into reverse and in neutral and then drive and then back and forth a couple of times and see if you hear the same or a very similar noise.
2: And you but, think it'd be slacking the drive train.
0: You, yeah, you're loading and unloading that drive shaft in both directions. And they are they pretty... Had,
1: yeah, they had a pretty good complaint rate when, you know, with bad U-joints.
0: Well, and again, 160,000 miles. You probably do anyway. Normally, the front U-joints the one that goes out first for some reason. And it'll definitely make that kind of a clunk noise, but you should hear it going from drive to reverse. Right. So try that and see. And if not, then I would think maybe something in the trans...
2: The only reason that kind of made me question was, was a, not a drivetrain issue. Mm-hmm. was the fact that it only does it between second and third, not first and second or Correct. third and
0: fourth. Well, so each gear's got its own set of things in there that makes it work. Right. And so that's why you may only hear it in that one gear shift combination. It could also be like a roller bearing that's between the second gear and when it energizes that second gear it moves and takes up the slack that that roller bearing used to be and there's if the little rollers fall out there'll be slack and you'll hear it move back and forth but it may only be on that one
1: gear it does it every time it goes between second and third yes sir that should be fairly easy to locate yeah
0: we should be able to drive that and probably tell you if it is trans related or not and If it hasn't been serviced recently, what I would recommend is go ahead and do a proper service. Drop the pan. Because if a sprag or a Roller Baron has come apart, there'll be parts of it laying in the pan. Gotcha. And if that's the case, you need to go ahead and take care of that because it's going to digress into a major breakdown going to end up leaving you stranded and tear a whole bunch it of stuff in transmission.
2: gear, whatever you're calling mm-hmm, it, is mm-hmm. that something that will require a complete transmission yes. rebuild? Well, no,
0: it doesn't require a complete rebuild, but at 160,000 miles, if you're going to go that far, you'd be foolish not to rebuild right. it.
2: This is a yard truck that I drive occasionally, so I'm Well, not, I'm not and a again, driver.
0: it's one of those deals that, Kenny, if you're willing to put up with the inevitable conclusion, which is the transmission failing, right. which you may be if you're not using it that much, you could probably drive it a ways like it is. Mm-hmm. But you want to try to head off a problem, if you're telling me, hey, I take this truck and I go to Virginia and back in it, and I don't want to be left on the road, well, I'd say, let's get after it right now. Okay. If you don't use it very much, I mean, you could kind of monitor the situation. Another way to hedge your bet is to bring it in, let's do a service on it. Okay. We could cut the filter open. If I see a bunch of metal in the filter, well, you know inevitably what's going to happen. So That's then you just like make up your mind whether you want to go further or if you just want to wait till it happens.
2: Well, I'm a next fleet manager, so I'll I'll have it into you shortly. Okay,
0: Kenny. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, man. Bye bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Fire, we'd love to have you. Kenny's call brings up a good point, and that is there's not an answer that's correct for everyone. Correct. For what is correct for one driver may not be for the next. If you're telling me that I routinely go across country in this vehicle or this is a tow vehicle, I tow a travel trailer, and I go out of state with it a lot, then we really can't tolerate a whole lot of possibility of breakdown. Exactly. Uh, You're telling me that, your wife drives the vehicle. She's on the road with it at night by herself. That kind of situation requires a much, much different type of maintenance than a guy who occasionally uses the vehicle. He uses it only in town. It's no big deal if it breaks. Right. He can push stuff a whole lot further. So there's not one answer that's ever correct for everyone.
1: Right. Your certain situation requires a certain answer.
0: That's right. And it's always good, like he did, to give you all that information. That way you can give him a lot better and that's what quality shops do. If you give them that information, they can give you that kind of advice. That's why it's always better to go ahead and have someone look at it that knows a whole lot more about it, and they can advise you based on your needs. Sure. We're going back to the lines with Ray. Good morning, Ray.
3: Yes. Yeah. Lewis, I have an 04 Trailblazer, uh-huh. and my steering wheel kind of got a little squeal when I turn it right forth. It sque- kind of squeaks a little bit. Yeah, okay. okay.
1: There's several things that could be causing that noise. The first one that comes to mind is there's a seal down at the base of the firewall, I believe, on that vehicle. There's a rubber seal that keeps the outside air from coming in. And right. it dries out, and as you got a piece of metal rubbing on a piece of dried rubber, and it squeaks a little bit. That could be it, and that just requires a little synthetic lubricant around the, the joint, and Easy that usually fix. goes away. Now, if it's further up the column. Like if it's inside the truck with you. Right. There is several plastic pieces. There's a clock springing that's right up at the base behind the airbag, behind the steering wheel, and sometimes those two pieces of plastic will rub against each
0: other. It's just a matter of tearing the column down and finding out where it's coming from. So it depends if it sounds like it's right up at the steering wheel or if it sounds more like it's down at the floor. Well, it sounds like it's around
2: the steering wheel when you you hear it. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it outside because I've yeah. that's Well, that's more concerned. likely something right. up in
0: the top of that steering column, either the clock spring, which is part of the airbag assembly, or there are some other little chuchuts down below that. There's actually a bearing in there, but it doesn't really give that much trouble. Right. Bearing could go out. Could but be a bearing. but Most of the time, it's something up in the top of that column. What we do is we just take the steering wheel off, take the airbag out, take the clock spring out, and then just find what part is causing the noise. And all of those little parts are actually replaceable. They sell each and every little piece, and I guess there must be thirty little parts up in that. Oh, there's there's a lot.
1: There's a lot but of pieces. They in are there.
0: all available normally, and you know, talking about a huge amount of money. It's A couple hours, to tear the column down, and whatever little pieces and parts you need. Okay. All righty.
3: Well, all right. Well, I appreciate y'all do that kind of work.
0: Yes, sir. We certainly can. Almost any good quality independent shop can do that for you as well. Okay. All righty. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. Right, so. Bye. 499 9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we going to take one more quick little break and we'll be right back with more.
5: Mike, how are you and things at the dealership's maintenance department? Dave, things are great. You guys still running that low price $24.99 oil change at your place? Oh, yeah. Folks come in and we just happen to find a ton of other stuff wrong with their car. (laughs) Works, don't it? Sometimes when it's a woman, I make something up like your flux capacitor has a leak. Yeah, Or your strepanoid filter head needs to be replaced. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I gotta write that down. Agco Automotive wants to let you know how to stick it to the low-price oil change shops. Go get the oil change, and then take your vehicle and their list of recommended repairs to Agco for an honest opinion of what if anything needs to be fixed and we'll fix only that want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes plus tons of other automotive info visit agcoauto.com that's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. agco it's the place to go
4: behind it but i can't keep punching with the victory crew when you're making me
5: punch you with that hey welcome back
0: if you just joining us the automotive hour i'm your host lewis aldous with mr brian terry hey between tools try to answer any automotive questions you might have why don't you go give us calls 499-9526 and we've got rick online good morning rick good
4: morning you fellas how y'all doing today doing great, good morning sir. i just want to let you all know i do love y'all show I try to listen to it every time i can well thank you well, i have a, I just bought a 95 40-line van, for mm-hmm. work, work van. Okay. And there's a loud, whiny noise coming from the rear
0: end. Okay. okay. Is it there when you accelerate, Rick, and gets better when you let off?
4: Well, yeah. If I'm not
0: moving, of course, there's no noise. Right. Yet. But
4: the faster, I go the ladder again. Yeah, and, okay. and if
0: you kind of let off the gas going down the interstate, does it quiet down some?
4: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, to, that's yeah.
0: normally pretty bad, Rick. That's generally going to be either gear noise or the bearings on the pinion that's have gone bad. And what happens when the pinion bearings go bad, the pinion tends to kind of screw into the ring gear, which throws the two out of mesh, and they start that whining noise. Pretty major repair. Probably going to cost you more than what you paid for the van to get that fixed. <laughs> now, one other option, of course, you might try to go to a junkyard, find another rear end, and just swap it out. But the problem with the 95 miles, every one you find is going to have a good G and miles on them. I mean, it's not anything that can't be fixed. I would say it is entirely out of the realm of a do-it-yourself or it's major repair. And it's a specialty repair. In fact, most shops don't even do it.
1: Specialty shops in Baton Rouge that just do rear end repair. Right. That's rear-end. all they do. Or gear do. repair. It's
0: very, very, very specific work. It's, it's difficult. Like Zimmer
5: to get. gears or something?
0: Zimmer gear would be an yeah. excellent choice. They could rebuild it for you, change the bearings, maybe change the gears if necessary. And Earl could tell you if it's necessary to do the gears or not. You, know, you telling him, hey, it's just an old work van. I'm not worried about it being perfectly quiet. I just don't want to tear up. He may be able to get by putting bearings in it, which okay. it wouldn't cost as much. But I would take it by and have him look at it and see. But it's definitely something you wanted to get on to because – If it breaks the gear and the two gears jam up and break the carrier, I mean, you're into a major, major deal. You're into
1: a whole axle then instead of just a a rebuild. No,
0: but see, the, the metal from those bearings is going to get out in the axle bearings and it eats two axles up. Well, it just keeps getting worse and worse.
4: Okay. What causes
0: that? I mean, is that a mileage thing? or Miles, load, probably never had the oil change. I was going to say, that's
1: probably one of the most neglected services yeah. besides power steering fluid that we see.
0: People just don't yeah. change that rear end oil. And of course, like any oil, it breaks down over time and it doesn't lubricate. It's an extreme pressure lubricant. And it just it gets leaks and it's you know, the fluid leaks out of it or water leaks into it. You know, a lot of different things can happen. There's a hose on it where it's vented. That hose will dry rot, crack, and fall off. And then you run through any rain or anything, you get water in it. Just dilutes
1: it, yeah, and then, so, then it's over.
0: Yeah, I got several articles on my website about just going in, hit the word differential under search, and it'll bring up a whole bunch of articles on topic.
5: Okay, it's not something y'all would
0: mess with. I would probably refer you to Zimmer Gears. He's much better <laughs> at it. Right. I mean, has his specialty. I got you. Oh, all
4: right. I appreciate it,
2: fellas. Okay,
0: man, thank you. Bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. And we're going back to the phone lines. We got G.Y. online. Good morning, G.Y. Hey
3: i've got a 04 honda accord okay and in these real cold mornings it tends to want to make a howl so it warms up you know it just started when we got this cold weather a week or two ago it sounds kind of like power steering gets low
0: yes but, sir that would be my first choice does it change when you turn the steering wheel back and forth
3: a little bit yeah
0: yeah if it changes when you move the wheel back and forth the pump that comes on a honda is an extremely high quality pump i have changed very 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 few of those over the years uh, Most of the time, what it is, where the two hoses go in the top of the pump, two big hoses that go on top of that pump, yeah. there's two O-rings. Now, those O-rings will get old and they'll get hard over the years. You figure the car is 10 years old. When they get hard, they will not leak to the outside. But what they will do, one side's a suction side, the other side's a pressure side. When you turn the wheel, it will actually draw air in. When air gets in the system, it'll start that howling noise. Okay. And what I would try is to remove that hose, change those two O rings, and then purge the fluid out real good. Put fresh Honda on. You got to buy Honda fluid from the Honda dealer. Put fresh Honda fluid, and you may very well cure that problem. I've seen a lot of people change the pumps to cure the problem, and a new pump comes with a new O ring, so it does solve the problem. Or worse yet, they put an aftermarket pump on, and they really got trouble. Right. Gave away a better pump than they had.
1: Exactly. Because you got to turn your old one in as a core. Right. So it's gone.
0: Yeah, we fix that problem a lot just by changing those O-rings.
1: Okay. Those O-rings are fairly cheap, so it, is, it, and, it would be worth trying.
0: Yeah, and if you don't want to fool with yourself, we can do that job for you. It's easy. It's about an hour job, and we purge all the fluid out, put fresh Honda fluid back. Because
3: once it warms up, it's good for the rest of the day until it gets cold again. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, what
0: happens, see, as it runs, the air bubbles out. It just it churns up, and it comes out and goes out the reservoir. Right. Okay. But when you crack it up first thing in the morning, when it's cold, it just draws air in. That seal is cold, so
1: it's hard. Right. And that air oh. comes past it. Once it warms up, that seal swells up a little bit and seals the leak. Yeah, off. It gets
0: soft and it's more pliable. So, but it's not going to yeah. get better. It's going to get worse in time. So it's something you need to go ahead and get. And on. you
1: really don't want too much air in that pump, right? Because you're going to end up tearing the pump up. Correct.
3: Right. All right, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, yes, sir. sir. Thank
0: you. Bye, bye. Four nine 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 five two six. A number if you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. And we've got Tim online. Good morning, Tim.
4: Hey, good morning, guys, from uh, cold Minneapolis. Oh wow. oh, wow.
0: Okay, man, you up and moving around this cold?
4: Oh, my God. The high today <laughs> is going to be minus two. So, oh, wow. Oh, geez. <laughs> I know. It's brutal. Hey, I've got a question. Okay, so I have a 2008 Toyota 4Runner with about 80,000 miles. Okay. And the rear wiper doesn't work. Okay. The defro- rear defroster doesn't work. And the rear washer, you know, okay. shoots out. And i'm wondering what you think that might be did that all
0: occur at one time tim or is it three different occurrences
4: all at the same time it just stopped one day
0: man if it all stopped at one time i'm suspecting i one of the fuses and that's gonna be one of the larger fuses probably under the hood i'd have to look at a wiring diagram which i'll do when i get home if you want to fire an email off to me i'll check service data and see what fuse or fuses control that could possibly also be a relay or something going back there. I know on the wipers, we see a lot of times what will happen, particularly in cold weather, is the wiper will kind of freeze to the glass. And when you turn it on, the shaft will actually slip inside the wiper and the nut will turn just a hair. And when it does, it's loose. So the shaft's moving back and forth, but the blade's not moving. So that happens a lot on the wiper, but that wouldn't account for the other two problems.
1: There are several connectors in that door, I believe. To say the power wire coming in through that connector has a bad connection to it. It
0: will kill everything in that door. That's right. It could be a bad connection. But, like I said, if you want to send an email, I'll look it up in service data, and that way I can more definitively tell you. I just, on top of my head, I'm not certain, but check all the fuses, particularly the big ones under the hood. It'd probably be about a 20 or 30 amp fuse. It's going to be a a large one. It's not going to be one of the little small fuses. The wipers, washer, and the defroster are all controlled by the body control module. And there's like a 10 amp fuse for the body control module. But I think if the body module was out, you'd have a lot of other things not working on just those things. But the line that the body module controls, I want to say is a 30 amp fuse from the battery. Goes out to the washer and wiper from there.
4: Can you tell by just looking at the fuse if it's good or bad?
0: Not really. What you almost need is like a test light or a voltmeter. And if you go to my website and just in the search bar type fuse, there's a whole article there just how to check fuses. And it's really pretty simple. You could check it pretty easily with a test light if you have one or a voltmeter if you have that. But I have seen fuses that look perfectly good and be bad.
1: Right. It's kind of obvious. You pull it out and the little connector's broke. You know it's bad. Mm-hmm. But if you pull it out and look at it and the little connector's not broken, you're not sure if it's still good or if it's bad. So if you check it a certain like Lewis said, with a voltmeter or a test light, and it's much it's,
0: easier to do than pulling them out. Sure. So, you know, you can just go right across top. There's two little spots up there you can touch. And like I said, just go to a website, look up that article. It's going to tell you exactly how to handle it.
4: I will do it right now. Right, hey, Jim? thank you guys so much. You're my favorite podcast. And I tell everybody here in, in Minneapolis that, that you guys are awesome. So. Well, great.
0: Well, great. great. Thank hey, you. You try to keep warm, man.
4: Yeah, we'll we'll do. All bye right, Tim.
0: Thanks, man. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I even if you're not in the frozen north. You there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's brutal, boy. Talking two degrees below zero.
1: Oh, I know. That's uh, cold. Yeah, that is cold, that's cold. way too cold for me. I like it down here <laughs> where it's like the low. You know, the lowest it gets all year is maybe
0: <laughs> twenty five. Oh yeah, that's a and real that's only
1: it's only one night a week for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can handle that a Unusual. lot better. A lot better than I can handle that minus two all day long. (laughs) We got an email here from Mr. John Cosmer. Okay. And he has actually put us on. That's correct. Right. It's called GlimmerglassRadio.com. That's in
0: Glimmerglass, New York. It is. Mm -hmm. And
1: he's actually got us on four times a day on Thursdays. Right. Two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. two o'clock in the afternoon, and eight o'clock in the afternoon. He wow. actually rebroadcasts our show for us.
0: Well, all right. I want to tell him how much I appreciate him rebroadcasting our program. I hope mm-hmm. a lot of people up there in Glimmerglass gets to
1: get to listen. And well,
0: actually, people anywhere in the world can. That's right. It's internet based. Internet based. That's exactly right. So really appreciate him doing that and putting our show out there.
1: Sure, that, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yep, get a few more, and we'll. Uh, We'll have the whole world covered well, that's Charlie.
0: right, and if you have a internet-based radio show and you're interested in rebroadcasting the automotive hour, it's available to you at free of charge. Just give me an email, and I'll give you the permissions that you need. and
1: There you go. We'll get it put on for that's you. That's
0: right. If you're looking for content, we'll certainly welcome you rebroadcasting our program. And we're going back to the phone lines with Mike. Good morning, Mike.
4: Hey, how y'all
2: doing? doing great, Good sir. morning,
0: Mike.
4: Just
2: a quick question. I got a six-cylinder Dodge Ram, and I pull my four-wheeler and some other things with it. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to pull something that act, it gives a little bit of a load, and is it okay to pull it in cruise control?
0: Yeah, how much weight are we talking about, Mike?
2: Well, the four-wheeler and the trailer, I, I don't know. A what. couple thousand Maybe. pounds? Yes, yeah, sir.
0: Yeah, anything in that range, you're fine, Mike. I mean, you start getting up to four or 5,000 pounds, you may have yeah. an issue. But, no, anything 2,000 pounds, it's not going to even know it's back there. The engine doesn't care. I mean, the smallest okay. engine out there has got more than enough power to pull anything. Okay. Where you get into trouble is transmissions and rear ends.
1: I got you. What I'm worried about
2: is
0: now and then it'll
2: downshift.
0: Yeah, you know? right. Well, when you're going up the hill, it'll do that, it'll you, do you do that, load that regardless. you up enough, it's going to automatically, the computer is going to sense yeah. load on the okay. engine. And that's what it does, but that's perfectly normal.
2: That's So we're not lugging it or anything? No, nah, I don't think, I wouldn't so. think so. It doesn't feel
0: like it's lugging, does it?
2: No, no, it's running fine right yeah. now, as a matter of fact, as we speak. But if I hit a little incline, I'm
4: cruise control.
2: Yeah, that's
0: normal. Yeah. That's okay. normal, What yeah. is the computer senses that, hey, my RPM are dropping, so I'm going to go ahead and kick it to a lower. Yeah. gear to make more power. Okay. So that's what it's supposed to do. And
1: it would do that regardless whether it had the trailer on it or not.
0: Yeah, okay. if, if it loaded enough, it just, right. just loading a little more. But, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. That's not going to be a problem at all. Appreciate the help. Okay, Mike, all right, thanks, man. man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526, number. If you were be part of the Automotive I we'd certainly love to have you. And we've got Craig online. Good morning, Craig.
2: morning, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning, sir. I got a quick question. I got a Silverado 2001 truck. Brake light, and the ABS light comes on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not all the time. Yes, sir. Sometimes it'll come on for a long time. Like this morning, I'm driving this morning, and it didn't come on mm-hmm. at all. So.
1: right mm-hmm
2: to figure out what's
0: going on with it i'm gonna tell you there are about 400 things that can make that light come on (laughs) there are really literally out of that 400 things two are by far the most prevalent i would say two of them account for 80 percent of the time okay first is one of the wheel speed sensors particularly one of the front wheel speed sensors And that system stores a code just like your check engine light does. It's just not in the power control module. So if you go to a parts store, they can't check it.
1: Right. You have to have a factory scan tool. Actually, the Tech 2 will pull that information for you because you can access the body side of the computer. We go to the
0: chassis module, pull up the code, see which sensor is not reading correctly. Then you can put a digital lab scope on the lead and see if it's the sensor or the wire or connection or the ECM not interpreting the signal because just because it has a speed sensor code doesn't mean the sensor's bad. The second one is the little module itself on the frame rail. Those go out quite a bit, and when they fail, it's going to kick the lights on. It'll set a different series of codes. Those are obscenely expensive from GM. When you go to buy it, it's like $1,100 part, but fortunately, yeah. we can rebuild those for you. We rebuild them in-house, and if that is the case, what we do is pull it off, and you can drive the truck without it, and while we're rebuilding it, it take me about a week to get it done and get it back to you, and you bring it back in, we can wait on it while I put it back on. Probably around $300, $350, we can rebuild it. That's parts and labor and everything. So it just starts out with checking it and seeing what the problem is. But those two are probably by a wide measure the most common. Of course, any connection anywhere in the system or any sensor or even the pump. or But the pumps give very little trouble. The The rest of the system doesn't give a lot of problems. But mm-hmm. we just have to check it and see which component's causing it.
2: What's well, the worst case if you just don't do anything.
0: You won't have any lock brakes. And that's it. That's it. it. And you got to stare at the two lights. Yeah, that are on uh, on the dash all the time. Stare at lights in your face. Okay. Your wife may rag on you if she's like mine.
5: Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, get that light fixed. What's that light mean? Well, <laughs> you use just digging a ain't you? I can
2: get that regardless. So You'll get you that anyway. <laughs> <wish> <laughs> your
0: lights are going to solve that problem.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> so, all right. Well, okay, man. All right, All right, guys. All thank, thank you. you. Bye, bye. All right, four, nine, nine, nine five two six number, if you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd certainly love to have you.
1: You know, you can go to our website and type that kind of information into the mm-hmm. search bar. That's right. And there's a whole article on just that
0: topic. Yeah, several, actually. There's at least three or four articles just on analog brakes. will tell you what the ramifications are of doing nothing, how the system works, all that kind of stuff. And I would at least get the problem checked because sure. there's a possibility that it's just a real small problem. Sure. A lot of times where it's just a connector
1: that There's is the gotten bad where the
0: sensor plugs into the harness, those will go bad occasionally. Fairly inexpensive to fix. So. Right. I mean ABS is certainly not a necessary thing in my opinion, but it is kind of a nice feature under certain conditions. Sure. If you have to hit a slick spot in the road, it will help you to maintain steering control. Doesn't actually make the vehicle stop any better like a lot of people think it just keeps the wheel locking up so lets
1: you maintain control you
0: maintain steering control correct because a locked up wheel is going to slide and you're not going to be able to steer the vehicle so that's the the whole purpose behind it right we got to take one last quick little break mike and john hang on you guys will be straight up after this break
3: good morning And welcome back to Automotive Maintenance School, fellas. Good morning. Yesterday, we left off
5: talking about how to upsell your customers with the sneaky $24.99 oil change. Yeah, they come in for the special and bam! We hit them with other problems we just happened to find while doing the oil change. (laughs) Yeah, and then you tell them, it's a good thing you came in for our oil change special. Yeah, you may never have known you needed all this work.
3: Yeah, sound like you fellas did your homework. I just hope none of your customers did. <laughs>
5: Agco Automotive has this to say about low price oil changes. Take advantage of them. And if you get a list of recommended repairs, bring your vehicle to us for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. Agco. It's the place
0: to go. Hey, welcome back. A final segment of the automotive hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldezan, president of AgCo Automotive. We've got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Carey, right here by my side. Hey, Tools, we will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey,
4: good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning, sir. Good. I have a 2004 Tahoe that I absolutely love. Okay. 230,000 miles. Yes, it sir. Runs like a top. Good. I just have one nagging issue. Okay. As I'm going down the highway, every now and then the heat will start coming out of my driver's side. Yeah. Very, uh-huh. very, very common issue, Mike. And the air, the air conditioner is still running fairly well. Right. Else turn it off. Of turn start.
0: it back on. Starts working again.
4: Perfectly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's going to be what they call the temperature door actuator on the left side. There's one on the left, there's one on the right, but for some reason the one on the left goes out twice as much as the one on the right. But not a big deal to fix, Mike. It's a fairly expensive part. I want to say the part's about $230, but it's less than an hour labor to change it. You just have to go in and replace it. And then we can go into the temperature module and pull up the codes, and there'll be a code in that confirms that diagnosis. But generally when it's blowing hot on the left, and normally what will bring it on, if you move your temperature one way or the other, particularly to one of the extremes, that's when it's going to do it. Okay. And you may also hear like a click, 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 click noise under the dash sometimes, occasionally. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah same thing. Go. Same answer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay, thank you, gentlemen. Okay, man. All right, Thank
0: sir. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526. And if you to only part of the automotive wire. That was an easy one. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, <laughs> so all that easy. So let's go back to the phone lines. With John, good morning, John.
3: Yes, sir. I have two quick questions sure. on my 08 Frontier. Mm-hmm. It's got 75,000 miles on it. The dash light that showing the airbag problem is flashing at me okay okay what's that usually entail most of the
0: time john like kind of like the guy with abs there's about 600 things that can set that light literally most of the time i find the clock spring which is the part in the steering column goes out particularly if you've ever had any kind of work done on your steering gear or any of that stuff that's one way that they get broke sometimes they just break without any other kind of work or anything causing it they just break certainly that's not the only thing but that is one of the things now you'd have to go into the abs module it's got a module just like the regular check engine light and everything else there's gonna be some code stored read the code and pull it up other times we find bad connections another thing that we do find relatively common is on the passenger side if somebody tries to stick something under the seat there's a bunch of wires in there you can snag one of those wires and loosen it up and it'll start coming on because of that so it'd just be a matter of going in scanning the system seeing what code is causing it and then going from there
3: Okay. The other thing is I'm pulling a almost 4,000-pound boat sometimes,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and I've been taking and turning the overdrive off. Should I be doing that?
0: Yeah, 4,000 pounds, John, is right at the limit of what that's going to haul. I know the salesman will tell you it'll do more than that, but that's pretty much close to the limit of what that vehicle's going to haul. certainly wouldn't hurt to take it out of overdrive because overdrive is a weaker gear than some of the others. Okay. Another thing that I would be doing, John, if you're not doing it already, when you're pulling that boat up or down, like a landing you want to be mm-hmm. in manual low and okay. don't leave it and drive because yeah, when you yeah when you go to manual low you do two things number one you apply additional set of clutches but number two you keep it from shifting up should the wheel start to spin right all right okay all right Thank John. thanks man bye-bye Four nine 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 five two six number if you want to be part of the automotive eye, we got a few more minutes and. Be glad to try to answer any questions you might have.
1: You know, something just come to mind, the service on that transmission. That's correct. You need to get it serviced, keep it serviced regularly if you're going to tow that kind of load it. Yeah, if I was it.
0: towing 4,000 pounds, even occasionally, I would probably be servicing that close to 30,000 miles.
1: And not only that, but the rear end. Because yep. a lot of times rear ends go underwater when you back a boat into a landing, Well, and you'll it, get some water around if it. it
0: doesn't, probably 50,000 miles on that vehicle. And it's certainly, when you got that kind of load on it, it's going to increase your service requirements. Sure. Much, much more load on the rear end. And for what it costs to rebuild a rear end, you can... Oh, you can
1: service it 100 times, you know,
0: <laughs> by the time that you rebuild true. one. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening to us this morning every Saturday morning.
1: I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to iTunes and give us a written rating.
0: That's right. Also, Stitcher is one of the fine services that rebroadcast our service. You can give us a rating there as well. I noticed the other day we got about 12 or 13 ratings. That's great. And About 120, I think, on iTunes. Of course, I'd like to have more than that. So. Sure. I always want more. That's right. Go on <laughs> and give us a written rating. It really makes our day when you do that and lets us know we're doing a good job. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.